David brings the Ark of the Covenant back to the city with the people who it belongs to, the people of God. And in that chapter, it says the oxen wasn't even able to get six steps into the gates. And David takes off his kingly garments and he starts dancing and shouting in the streets. <laughs> A king in front of all of his people takes off his garments and dances in the streets and shouts praises to God, praises to God. And it says the entire city was filled with shouts of praise. And David makes a sacrifice to God and an offering, and he gives things to the people, and he's going to bless his own household. And Michael, the daughter of King Saul, comes to David, and she reprimands him. She says, how undignified you being like a shameless, drunken man in the streets. And David makes a statement that's been in my spirit all week, and he says this. He says, I will be even more undignified before my Lord. And he starts to testify of the goodness and faithfulness of God. And he says, I will be even more undignified and I will humble myself even more in my own eyes before the Lord. Yes. And the Holy Spirit keeps putting it in my heart. This is my undignified season. In an American culture where the pastor has to be the dignified man with a suit and tie, where the pastor is the holy man, in this season the Holy Spirit is telling me this is our undignified season. Where people think we're crazy for worshiping, where we sit and worship for hours and people think we're crazy. But I have a feeling in my spirit like, David, how could I not worship? Yes. How could I not praise knowing what God saved me from? Knowing what God freed me from, knowing how God provided for my family when it didn't make any sense. How could I not be undignified before the Lord knowing what he has done for me? Yes, 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 yes. So I don't feel the Spirit releasing us. Some of you may be bored thinking, why doesn't the pastor just preach already? I don't feel released from this, this moment of praise. I don't feel like the Spirit of God is saying, no, this is enough. I feel like someone in this room is going to get it today. A revelation I can't teach you, a revelation I can't give you, a revelation they cannot sing into your spirit, right. but something that the Spirit of God has to put inside of you. An yes. undignified praise where it doesn't make yes. any sense. If y'all saw me in this sanctuary when I'm by myself, you would think I was crazy, running and jumping and shouting to the Lord. Why? Because just like David to Michael, <laughs> how could I not but praise? Right. Knowing how the Father sustained me, knowing how the Father empowered me, knowing how the Father provided for me. How could I not but praise? And some of you are thinking, this man is crazy. No, I have the Spirit of God inside of me birthing something new. And I'm tired of churchianity where we come, we worship for 30 minutes, check our watch, and we're bored. No, God is calling more of us in this season. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the book of Acts was not meant to stay in the Bible. It's meant to be lived in our everyday lives. Yes. So the fact of the matter is this is our undignified season. And those who don't care what people think about them are going to find their praise in this season. Can I tell you, if a king did not care what his subjects thought about him, you should not care what the person beside you thinks about you. Yes, 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 yes. If a king ruling a nation was willing to take off his outer garments and praise, and this is the thing, the outer garments were holding him back from the praise. Some of you need to take off your insecurities and praise today because your insecurities yes. are holding you back from yes. what God has for you in this season. And in this season, God wants to unlock something in this church. A praise you've never experienced. A praise that carries you. A praise that sustains you. A praise that empowers you. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So I don't think we're done worshiping. 
I don't know if we will be done worshiping for a while. But in this moment, I just want to go back to singing worthy, worthy, worthy. Because the fact of the matter is, in heaven 24-7, in his courts, there's praise and there's worship. And so in heaven, you hear all the time, worthy, worthy, worthy. And if that's not very interesting to you, you might be in the wrong place today. Might be. But for me today, I'm ready to be a little undignified, and I don't care who's here. I don't care what people think about me. Because the Spirit of God is moving something inside of me. Just like Peter and John said to the high priest, how could we stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus after what we have seen and heard from him? Who am I here to please, God or man? Yes. And at the end of the day, this is where we take our stand. When the Holy Spirit of God moves inside of us, are we willing to step into our undignified season? Let's sing. Worthy. Worthy, worthy, Lord, another glimpse of glory we see once more. Worthy, 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 Lord, forever, forever. Come on, sing it. Worthy, 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 Lord, another glimpse of glory we see once more. Worthy, 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 Lord, forever, forever. Come on, singing. Worthy, 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 Lord. Another glimpse of glory we see once more. Worthy, 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 Lord, forever, forever. Come on, sing it out one more time. Worthy, 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 Lord. Another glimpse of glory we see once more. Worthy, 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 Lord, forever. Come on, say Jesus. Jesus, King of kings. Yes, you are. Jesus, majesty say jesus 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 king of kings lord we worship jesus majesty come on say i can't wait sam I can't wait for eternity. Join the song they're already singing. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Yes, come on. Just a bow down before your throne. See your face, I'll cry out because you're holy, holy. Holy are you, Lord. Yes, you are, Lord. Say, Jesus. Jesus, King of kings. Jesus. Jesus, majesty. Say, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, King of kings, yes you are, Jesus, majesty, say standing with those, 
standing with those who have heard well done proclaiming forever that you're the one who's faithful 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 are you lord come on sing this out oh what can we give you but endless praise the heavens roar as we shout your name is jesus 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 you are lord yes jesus king of kings lord of lords jesus majesty say jesus 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 king of kings yes you are jesus majesty lord you're worthy worthy lord you're worthy say it worthy 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 Lord, another glimpse of glory we sing once more. Worthy, worthy, worthy Lord, forever, forever. Say it. Worthy, worthy, worthy Lord. Another glimpse of glory we sing once more. Worthy, worthy, worthy lord forever forever singing worthy 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 lord another glimpse of glory we sing once more worthy 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 lord forever forever come on say it again worthy 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 Lord, another glimpse of glory we sing once more. Worthy, worthy, worthy Lord, forever. Say Jesus, Jesus, King of kings. Lord, we worship you, Jesus, majesty. We worship you, Lord, Jesus, King of kings. We worship you, Jesus, majesty.
Father, I just pray for every person in this building. Every person in this building, in this season, would experience you in a new way. A new experience of your spirit, a new guidance and power of your spirit, a new peace of your spirit. That in this season, we would be fully and utterly and desperately dependent upon your spirit. All things and everything, not just the big scary moments, but the small quiet moments. Not just the big decisions, but the everyday decisions that we would be so reliant. Not that we would shelve you until we quote unquote need you, but we would understand our need for you every single day. That you were not given to us that we could feel a goosebump on a Sunday morning, but that we could live the victorious, free Christian life in Christ Jesus through his spirit that makes us one. That we would rest in the mystery, not thinking we always have to intellectually understand everything about your spirit. That we would be okay with the spirit. Just walking in the mystery, being led in the mystery. Father, you are so beyond us, our understanding. Your ways are so beyond our ways. Let us just submit to you and follow. Empower us to rest in your presence to quiet our lives to hear, to follow when you speak. Thank you, Father, for this moment in your presence. Thank you that you allow your sons and daughters to enter freely through the gates with unveiled faces. Father, I just pray that revelation of unveiled faces in the throne room of God is such a special revelation in hearts in this season. We can't preach it into him. We can't sing it into him. But Holy Spirit, I just pray in this season, you give special revelation to every heart in this room that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. We thank you for this moment in time, Father. In the name we pray, amen. As you return to your seats, you can get your tithes and offerings ready as we shift to our next level of worship, our tithes and offerings. You can stand as you prepare your tithes and offerings. As Miss Pat pulls up the giving scripture for us, we can read this together as you stand. Please read with me. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So that each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, you may give.
not yet. All right. At this time, if the council would please come up. I don't know where they are. Miss Cindy, Lamont, Bradley, and Brother Norman. They have a presentation to put before you guys about the community center project. Can we hear it for your council? We are believing that the Holy Spirit is giving them special vision in this season with special guidance and special wisdom. But I just want to pray over them before they give this presentation. Would you please raise your hands up towards the council? I just want to pray for them that the Holy Spirit just communicates effectively through them what uh, you guys pertinently need to know about this project. So Holy Spirit, we just pray over Miss Cindy, Brother Norman, Brother Lamont, and Brother Bradley. And Father God, we just pray that you speak through them. You speak into them. Even now, Father, continue to grow this vision inside of them of this impact that they want to have in the community, that they're leading us into this community. And, Father, we just thank you for these leaders. We thank you for leading us, um, a people who love us, who want to lead us in the right direction, who are being patient to hear from the Holy Spirit before acting and taking the next steps. And so, Father, I just pray in this moment in time that you just speak through them in a special way and you empower them to show the vision that you have put in their hearts. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen. I asked to speak first so I could do my part and I could be done. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about the playground and beyond. So I don't know how many of you noticed the playground, but last year sometime the playground, I guess it had been steadily declining for years. And then last year, it more or less just fell down. And so we put signs up that said, this is unsafe. You can't go back here. Put a locks on the fence back there. And that just broke my heart. I don't know about you guys, but what, what we as a church do and what we don't do sends a message. And when you've got a playground that fell apart and you've got a lock on the door and it says unsafe, that says we don't have any kids and we don't plan to. And so I just broke my heart. That just broke my heart. It's kind of like Nehemiah when he looked at the walls of Jerusalem and when they were gone, when they were, had fallen down and the city was in ruins, that broke his heart. And I, I think we as a council felt that way too. So the three phases we want to do here, it says playground and beyond, so the first phase is what we're really focused on. And that's what we want to do year, this year is put a playground back inside the fence that is already back there. And we're talking about not just something that will fall down in two or three more years, but we're talking about a commercial grade, something very nice that will last a long time that you will be proud of. The other thing about the playground, have you noticed our church is changing? that we've got kids, we've got young families, we've got kids that are going to be on the way. I mean, Pastor Josiah and Pastor Serena, just on their own, you know, <laughs> give them another 10 years, we don't know how many youngins they're going to have. So, so, we, so we've, got to, we've got to minister to the families in our church, right, and families in the neighborhood. If you've got nice facilities, if you've got nice stuff, people are going to want to come. Beyond phase one, we visualize a phase two that would uh, build a walking track back on our property back here. 
and not just a walking track, but also a walking slash exercise track. You know, there might be stations as you go along where you do different exercises, like pull-ups, sit-ups, those kind of things. And also a playground for toddlers would come in phase two. And then phase three, we don't have a lot of revelation on that yet, and we don't know exactly the timing, but phase three would be like an after-school safe place for kids to do homework and so forth. Okay? Ms. Pat, let's go to the next slide. So right now, even though we see three phases for this project, we're heavily focused on phase one. And that's really what we're talking about most of today about, phase one. We want to get that playground in. We want to do it this year, and we want to do it in the right way. And again, it's because we're a growing church. We've got young families with children. We've got young families with children on the way. And some of us are believing for children and grandchildren. So that's going to happen. I believe in God's timing. <laughs> no, no, no pressure. No pressure. Also, the neighborhood. People will seek us out as a church, I think, if we've got things for young families. And so this is going to be an outreach thing, too, to have a nice playground for young kids, young families. Okay, Mr. Bradley? So as Norman mentioned, we wanted to do something a little different this time and, and try to get a better quality experience for everybody. So we started doing some investigation, and... If y'all don't know, commercial playground equipment is very expensive. So go ahead and go to the next slide. No, go back. Sorry. So we settled on, we think we settled on a unit something like this that has, you know, many activities, stations for the kids. And as Norman said, our initial... Um, investment will be more of like a 5 to 12 age range and then we'll add on a toddler in phase 2. Um, so this is an example of what the unit will look like. Um, it, it's, a, it's a playground. <laughs> so so we went and visited. See, that's why they don't put us up here. That's what, I'm just kidding. So um, we did go and do some due diligence. We went and visited um, some of the units in the field to see what kind of quality it was. So, Ms. Pat, will you go to the next slide? Here's a unit that's been installed for about 10 years. And yeah, as you can tell, it's faded a little bit, but obviously a whole lot better shape than our wooden one was in, right? So we hope that this will be something that will last forever and um, will, you know, a lot of good memories for, for kids. So um, this is the big unit. Ms. Pat, go ahead and go to the next one. Also, with not only a big unit, we're also looking at a putting in swings as well. So that's an example of what the swing will look like. So here's a kind of a perception or a um, kind of high-level layout of what we think phase one will look like. There will be a, um, a border around 
the playground area with mulch inside the border, and we'll have swings in the playground within that mulch area. So that's kind of what it'll look like, what we think it'll look like. I'm up here with these articulate people. We don't know. I have no idea. We don't know. So I can't even see the slides. <laughs> we're, we're instilling a lot of confidence. <laughs> so. Get, getting down to the nitty gritty. So we raised approximately... 32, which is a lot of money, but unfortunately, we still have a little ways to go, which is just a little ways, so we need everybody to help, so you need to, you know, Pray and think about it and think about what we're trying to do. And if you're on board with what we're trying to do, then you need to uh, step forward and, and uh, help us do what we're trying to do. So go to the next slide because I can't even see that one. Okay. So this is what. Our next steps are, which is get in touch with the, we have two suppliers or two people that do this kind of stuff. So what we're trying to do is we're talking to each one of the two to get their best price and we're going to, whatever, they, whatever, Whichever one gives us the best price is the one we're going to go, go with. So that's, that's the step we're at right now. So we're going to select the vendor that gives us the best price, and we're going to uh, step out on faith, and we're going we're gonna to do this. So that's what I'm saying. We're going to do it. So if you want to get on board, you better get on board because we're going to do it. So, that's, I think that's all for me. Okay, phase two um, is going to look a little bit more like this. We're going to put the walking track. That's not the exact layout of the track, but that's kind of where we're going to put it. We are going to work around the retention pond in the back. Part of the thing with the track, too, is to put some exercise stations, but also to put some stations. We talked about this. Like, if you've gone, if you remember, how many of you old enough remember the show MASH? They had signs everywhere of how far Tokyo was and how far San Francisco was or whatever. So we're going to have some distance measured out as to so many times around this track you've walked from, Beth from Bethlehem to Jerusalem or you've walked from you know, the Sea of Galilee to here. So you kind of get a little bit of biblical information as they go around there so you can kind of feel like how it, how it would look. Um, you know, this is how far you would have walked if you were going from here to here. And then the other playground that will go in will be the toddler playground, which you can see. So what that brings us to now is 
part of what Lamont started talking about, but where do we go from here from what do we need from you as a church? And what we need from you as a church are a couple things. One, we're going to need prayer. We're going to need you to pray that God will use this because the vision that we have for this is not just a place for your kids to run out to after church on Sunday or to have a birthday party here when your kid has a birthday, but a place that this becomes a light in this community, that this church becomes a beacon like God put a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud before the children of Israel, that that's what this ch- this church will become to this community, and it will become that light. That the parents will be able to bring their kids here and get in some exercise, and, you know, we can have um, events where we have our kids out there. We'll be able to walk. We'll do the track. The track may actually require some physical sweat equity out of our congregation. Now, You know, I can drive a tractor, but it's been a long time, so you really don't want me doing that. But somebody's going to be out there. We're going to have to grade this. We're going to have to get dirt in. We're going to have to get it packed, and we're going to have to get stuff done. The other thing we're going to need from you is that it's going to take some more money. The good news is God's going to supply. The bad news for some of you is he's going to ask you to help. Okay. Okay, so we're all committed to this. We've written checks. We're going to write more. Um, as the Lord blesses us, and when, he, when we are obedient to him, he will give that because this will become a place that is open for the community. The last part of this, phase three, really is the ultimate vision of we have a homework center and a safe place for the people in the community to bring their kids. There are kids who are having to try to do online um, assignments and don't actually have decent Internet. They'll be able to get to our Internet with safety protocols on it so they can't go wandering in places they shouldn't go. But there will be a safe place for them to come and a place for them to do their homework and someone here to help. And that's going to mean God sending us the people to staff that and to be able to run that because we can't just do it in, in our heads. He's going to do that. So we want you to help pray that God sends the right people, that he sends the right um, timeline for us, that we know when we're to do this and that we are walking completely in his will. Is there anything? Is there another slide? Okay, that's the last one. So that's what we've got. We're, exi- we're actually kind of excited about this. We're sitting down looking at this going, you know, we can do this. We can do this. And it's moving our church into an area outside. It's out of our comfort zone for some of us. It's going to be out of what we normally do. But God honors us when we step out on faith. And we are taking a big step on faith to do this. We want you to step with us. And we're going to make this what God wants it to be, which is this is a light to this community, and it's a safe place for people to come, spend some time, and as we friend them and love them, they see the love of Jesus. We're not going to be out there necessarily preaching sermons at them, but we're going to be loving them into the kingdom because that's the way you get people in, telling them how bad they are, telling them how much sin is, loving them in, and that's what we're going to do. Would you give me a minute? And all right, we're related, and I can't help it because it wasn't my fault. So we want you to help that. So please remember to join us in prayer. And as we do this, we're going to step out, and God's going to honor everything that we do. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Who else is excited about this? Man, I'm extremely excited. I'm excited to be an impact player in the community. I'm excited to be the church, the church that God created us to be, and I'm excited for the world to come to us. I'm excited for people from the outside to come in and see that this is a place where they can be long, they can be loved um, the way Jesus intended for us to love them. So I'm really excited. 
I'm thankful for the leadership of this house. I'm thankful for the team that we have here that leads us in the direction we feel like the Holy Spirit is taking us. Um, it's been confirmed through the Holy Spirit speaking to multiple people in this ministry, all leading us in the same direction. Um, but will you please stand with me as we pray and get into the Word today? Raise your hands to heaven with me, if you would, to receive. Holy Father God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for what you've already done. We thank you for the plans you've put into motion. Uh, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that we see your power amongst us, that we see your presence in our midst. And Lord God, some people may look at a church of 100 to 115 people and think that vision is way too big for who you are. And I say, no, it is not because it's given by the Father from above and all good gifts come from the Father above. And he is empowering us, giving us everything we need in this season to continue forward in this mission. So Holy Spirit, I just pray we stay humble, we stay meek. Uh, you fill our hearts with love and humility to love those in the outside world. Holy Father, I just pray that in this season of turmoil with everything going on in the news currently because of what was decided, I pray that we don't lash out against those who believe differently than us, but I pray we love them. I pray we pray for them like never before, that we don't go, that we don't take the Facebook and show our rear ends, but that we walk in peace and love to those around us. Because scripture says, if at all possible, walk in peace with everyone around you. So Holy Spirit, I just pray we would truly be a people of love, truly be a people of peace that stand upon the truth, but love people regardless of how they act. So Father, we just thank you for this day. I pray that you lead this sermon. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. So I'm very uncomfortable right now because I literally don't have a sermon. I was planning on going into week four. Who's been enjoying the word series? I mean, if no one else, that's for me. I mean, and I, people throughout the week, are y'all are messaging me saying, Pastor Josiah, like this is truly helping me be set free from this battle in my mind. And so it's been a blessing to me. I was going to carry on to week four, which is I was going to get into how Jesus uses words towards us. We just got done with how the devil weaponizes words. We were going to look at how Jesus uses words to defend us. Um, but guess what? That wasn't what the Holy Spirit had for me. Um, my entire prayer time and study time has been revolving around the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit has been empowering me to read the Bible with fresh eyes. Eyes that don't have presuppositions, eyes that don't have tradition, eyes that don't have theology or doctrine guiding what I'm reading, but just reading the Bible from fresh eyes. And I've been reading in the book of Acts and just throughout the New Testament. And something that struck me was that the Holy Spirit is talked about 261 times just in the New Testament. 261 times the Holy Spirit is talked about. And the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit isn't just talked about. The Holy Spirit is actually the main subject of the New Testament besides Jesus as our risen Lord and Savior. And this, this thing just kept coming to my mind. It's, I would probably say it's a phrase, but the phrase is this. Desperately and utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I don't have a PowerPoint. I don't even have notes. I just kind of have some scriptures jot down in my chicken scratch um, on a little piece of paper I found somewhere. I don't even know where I found that paper. Um, but the, the phrase is desperately and utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. After Jesus dies and Luke is writing to Theophilus, he's writing his second letter to him. And he's writing about Jesus speaking to the disciples after he's risen, before he ascends into heaven for, for good at this point, um, before the Holy Spirit comes down and Jesus 
says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He says this. He says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. So key thing number one is they were not to do anything yet. They were not to do anything yet. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. For those of you who like to try to figure out the book of Revelation all the time, that's for you. It's not for us to know. It's for us to be obedient and listen to the voice of the Lord. Verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to, to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so the first thing Jesus says to the disciples before he goes into heaven is he says, wait, don't move. Don't do anything. Until what? Until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had been alluding to the Holy Spirit. He told his disciples earlier, he said, it's better that I go so the helper can come to you. The advocate from the Father will come to you and help you in all things. But the other thing is this, Jesus, not even Jesus, Jesus didn't even start his ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.16, Jesus is baptized by John the baptizer. Jesus comes out of the water and there's a dove that rests on Jesus, symbolism of the Holy Spirit. And so the fact of the matter is what I'm realizing in my own personal life in this past year of ministry and what we've done, I have done a lot of this separate from the Holy Spirit. I have done a lot of my living apart from the Holy Spirit. I have found in my own life of the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, this is not a sermon, this is more, I don't know, revelation from the Holy Spirit, realization of things in my life. The Holy Spirit has made me very introspective in this season of searching my own heart. Searching my motives, looking at what I'm doing, looking at how I'm doing them, look at how I'm responding to things. And in this season, I'm realizing that a lot of things I've done in ministry were by my own power, not by his power. It was by my planning, not my prayers, that I was led to do this. So the fact of the matter is, the past couple months, our church has grown quite a bit, and I've, I've got a little caught up in the growth. And so what I started doing was I was searching out new methods of how to do things better, and I was getting so caught up in the business aspect of church, how to get this here, how to get that. And I found myself completely set apart from the Holy Spirit and His guidance. And so what I'm realizing in my life, if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did not do anything, y'all, He was conceived when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. He didn't do anything in life until the Holy Spirit came upon him. And the Holy, he died so the Holy Spirit could come to us. The whole Bible points to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I had found in my life that any time I would get on fire, church people would often tell me, hey, stop being so radical. You're getting too excited here. This, is, this isn't how, no, 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 no. That, that was meant for the Bible times. And I found in my life, and I'm just looking through my life, I just saw moments where I was so zealous, and I just saw the Holy Spirit doing so much in me, and I'd be putting forth these ideas and these visions. I feel like the Holy Spirit was giving me, and then I talked to church people. <laughs> and I got caught up in this system of doing church, 
coming in on Sunday, this much of this much of prayer, this much of songs put together, this type of sermon. And the fact of the matter is what I'm realizing in this season is that nothing here is going to get us where we need to be. Majority of you have been in church your lives, and a lot of you don't think you can be taught anything new, if I'm being completely honest. Why? Because our heads are filled with so much knowledge about the Bible, but our hearts are so empty of the Holy Spirit. And I think one thing I'm learning is I'm, I'm changing my definition of supernatural. When we think supernatural, we're thinking manifestations, we're thinking signs and wonders. But do you know what's really supernatural? Having joy when everyone else around you is full of stress. You know, you know what's really supernatural? Walking in love when everyone else around you is walking in hate. And so I'm, I'm broken. I'm not, I'm not mad, and the Holy Spirit's teaching me how to be broken without being mad. But Christians are really making me nauseous when I look on Facebook how they're attacking people over the whole Roe versus Wade thing. We're called to be a people of love. Do you know what's the first sign that the Holy Spirit actually lives inside of you? Is that you're a person of love. Jesus said they will know you by the way you love one another. And so what I'm learning is my whole definition of supernatural, we all want to come up to the front and see miraculous healings. But the fact of the matter is, majority of us shelved the Holy Spirit on Sunday afternoon and want to pick them back up the following Sunday morning. Those who walked in the power of the Spirit of God kept in step with the Spirit of God. And so in this season, the Lord is just redefining even what church looks like in my mind. According to the American standard, it looks nothing according to this Bible that I read. And I don't know about you, I am very discontent with just doing church for the sake of doing church. I'm very discontent with keeping tradition just because that's what we've always done. Can I tell you, that's one of the phrases ever, listen, whenever, when it was my one year celebration of being the pastor here, uh, the, the staff thought it was funny to talk about my trigger words. And do you know what my number one trigger word was from all of them? Tradition. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is a mystery. <laughs> the fact that we think that we can put the perfect amount of methods into this thing to get like the supernatural power from him. Do you know he's not just some random invisible force field of power? The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. He is God himself. The Holy Spirit was not given to me and you so we could fill him on Sunday mornings and live however we want Monday through Saturday. The Holy Spirit was not even given for behavior modification. He was given for transformation. And so my problem is this in my own life, because I'm talking about this season for me. In my own life, I saw that I, I was really walking here, but when it came to here, I was failing majorly. Like the way I was letting my anger just lash out at people was completely unacceptable. I may have been walking in peace here, but the moment one thing went wrong, I was walking in anger here. And I started to see inconsistencies in my life, and I realized it was, it was because I was not dependent upon the Holy Spirit. I made him an option in my life. So what happened was this. When things were going great, yes, Holy Spirit, yes, lead me, lead me, lead me. But the moment he called me to something uncomfortable, I said, nah, not, not right now. The moment he was telling me to reach out to someone who'd been horrible to me, not nah, Holy Spirit, not nah, right now. The Holy, the Holy Spirit's put my wife in a season like that where she just did something she did not want to do whatsoever because the Holy Spirit was weighing on her heart for months. Let me tell you a story about this. No, not you. Not you. Look, she got, she got insecure things. Someone's going to be telling Lord, help her right now. In Jesus' name. Wow, everything's got to be about you. On Monday night, we were in here for corporate prayer. I told this story in prayer this morning because, my gosh, if this is an example for every, every one of us, we've all done this. Son, uh, Monday night in prayer, all of you that, who were there remember me talking about Pooji at the who works at the gas station right down the road from me. 
super sweet little um, Indian lady. She's, she's Hindu. She uh, is a part of the Hindu uh, religion. And we were praying in prayer because my prayer has been, Holy Spirit, I want to share the gospel like I never have before, but I want to know it's intentional. Like, I want the Holy Spirit putting people's faces in my mind. And the moment I think about it, I go and do it. I don't just want to be walking around, hey, you know, Jesus, hey, you know, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm just not going to do it. That's never even how Jesus did it. So I think we need to follow the method of Jesus. And so Monday night at prayer, he put Puji on my mind. And so I asked them to pray for me. I said, I need y'all to pray for me because this is way out of my comfort zone. I have no problem talking about Jesus, but it's very uncomfortable for me to go up to a random person and just, hey, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus. And so they prayed for me, and then the, uh, that night I got a haircut, and so, of course, I made an excuse. Oh, I can't go in the gas station. Now I got a haircut. I got to go, you know, do this and that. So, of course, my flesh was like, hold up. I know you told me to do it, but I don't want to do it now. So the next day, I I'm, I'm, uh, go to the church. I'm on my way home. This, this was at, uh, after youth group. And so I'm going by the gas station. The Holy Spirit said, hey, go talk to her. I said, absolutely not. I kept driving. So I get up to my apartment complex, and guess what the Holy Spirit made me do? Y'all, I hit a U-turn right in the middle of the road. I, probably, I literally almost got hit by like five people. I hit a U-turn because he was pulling on my heart so heavily, I couldn't. I just, I knew I was going to be guilt-ridden the entire night because I was just like, I know I need to do this. I know I need to do this. This is what I'm called to do. And so I go into the gas station, and I buy drinks, and guess what I don't do? I don't talk to Puji. I walk out of the gas station and go to my car. Holy Spirit, this isn't the right time. I can't do it right now. And so guess what I then do? I get back out of my car and I go back inside. And guess what I did do? I talked to Puji. And so this, this oh, thank you. Now I'll need a pause. But is, how many of you have been there? The Holy Spirit specifically is leading. You feel that tug in your heart. He's specifically telling you to do something and you come up with every excuse in the world. Guess what? I don't want to live that way anymore. Y'all, there is a world dying that needs Jesus. They need Holy Spirit-filled people. I want to hear that, oh, every, every believer has the Spirit. You're right, but not every believer is walking in step with the Spirit. I'm tired of hearing these, these excuses for why the church is so ineffective. Did you know we have about 2,000 churches just in the Columbia area? So explain to me, if every church is filled with the Holy Spirit, why there are so many people dying and going to hell? Why am I the only pastor downtown helping the homeless? Tell me, explain to me how I can read this here and then live this here and be okay with it. I'm not okay with it. So in this season, I'm being very introspective into myself and saying, Holy Spirit, anytime I have quenched you, what does that mean? That means the fire of the Holy Spirit is burning inside of you and you get that little fleshly uh, fire extinguisher and you go, why? Because it's scary to have the fire of God inside of you. It's scary for me to stand up here and not have a sermon to then relay to you. But the fact of the matter is this church has had enough here. We're never going to get to the next level we are trying to get to in the Holy Spirit if we don't get it here. A hungry heart will get us so much further in the kingdom than a heavy head ever will. So in this season, I really just don't care what people think about me anymore. I never really did, but in this season, I just really don't care. Because the fact of the matter is, what can man do to me? Roman, uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39 tells me this. There is nothing on this earth, nothing in the spiritual realms that can take me out of the hand of the Father. What do I have to fear? And so the fact of the matter is, I'm really tired of uh, people trying to quench the fire when it's burning inside of me. And I'm really tired of seeing other people quench the spirit in themselves. And so in this season, this is my undignified season. This is my season when I let go of insecurities. How many of us deal with insecurities? How many of us let insecurities hold us back from our praise? 
Hmm. Yeah, me too. God did not give us a spirit of fear. He didn't. He didn't give you that spirit of fear to care what people think about you. He didn't. He, that, that's not in you to be that way. When the Holy Spirit came inside of you, the whole point is transformation. Can I tell you, if you change one way, you can change back another way. If I change my outfit today, I could change right back into this outfit. But if I completely transform, there's no going back to what you used to be. The Holy Spirit was not given to you so that you change. The Holy Spirit was given to you that you transform. In Acts chapter 3, verses 4, please, if you've never read Acts chapter 3, verse, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 3 through chapter 4, I need you to go and read that. There's this beautiful story. This is after the Holy Spirit has filled the disciples and they preach in chapter 2. And then chapter 3 comes around. Peter and John are going to the synagogue. And there's a man sitting by the gate called Beautiful. And Peter says, gold nor silver I have not, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand. And he, he touches the man. And the man, it says man jumps. And what does he? He runs. And he shouts praises to God because of what God had done. But the fact of the matter is, I just want to talk about their story for a quick second. They, there's this miracle, and people are like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Praise God. And they're looking at Peter and John, and Peter and John say, don't look at me. It wasn't me. Then they preach the gospel, but the one you crucified, Jesus, he's the one. And they preach, and so the, the officials come in, and they're freaked out by these guys because they're thinking, okay, we, we, can't, we can't lie because everyone here saw what these men did. Like, we can't deny this was an act of God because demons don't heal people. And so the high priest, they then arrest them. And John and Peter counted all joy that they were falsely accused, arrested, and beaten. If I was falsely accused, arrested, or beaten, do you know what my first response would be? It would not be to praise God that I was being persecuted for his name. My first response would be, I'm innocent. Let me go. I, mean, I didn't do it. I promise I didn't do it. Their first response was they praised God. That they were persecuted for his name because Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. And so I look at their story and it's so foreign to me. I've never seen a Christian falsely accused of anything. Praise God that they were being accused. I've never seen a Christian act this way in such, in such circumstances where, when they're taken and beaten. Not only are they put in prison, they're beaten. And then they're told, they're told don't, don't teach or speak in this name of Jesus again. Do you know their reply to the people who just beat them is? Who is it better to listen to, you or God? So you're going to tell me a person looking at you funky during worship is going to keep you from praising? That person worried about how you're going to shout during a sermon, that, you're worried about that person? But these men, I'm telling you, this is so foreign to me. And people want to be like, oh, no, that's, that, that's radical Christianity. No, that's biblical Christianity. Why do we water everything down when it gets at the prefaces of heat? Like, it's here. The Holy Spirit is moving in us. And we're like, oh, calm it down. Pastor is supposed to be dignified. Man, I'm not that guy. Listen, I cannot read this book anymore and look at what I'm experiencing and be okay with it. I want to be so overwhelmed and so dependent upon the Spirit of God that if I were falsely accused today, I would be praising him in prison. 
I, I want that. I want that type of experience. I'm tired of the come to church, sing three songs. Oh, we believe in Jesus here, but there's nothing here. And then we shelve Holy Spirit thinking, okay, Holy Spirit's an option. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave him here. And then maybe when I want a goosebump or I want to feel good about myself, I'll come back over here. But the fact of the matter is these men did not do anything until what? They did not speak, act, or even think until they were empowered and prompted by the Holy Spirit. They were so desperately dependent on the Holy Spirit that, yo, they did not leave Jerusalem until the promise had come. How often do we do things in our own power? One thing I'm really learning in my life is to stop planning so much for the future and just be obedient here and now. James says, James says this in the book of James. He says, why do you plan for the future so much? You don't even know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. Stop saying what you'll do next year and the year after that. Stop, stop planning so far ahead and be obedient where you are here now. Because the fact of the matter is you don't know if you have tomorrow. And the fact of the matter is many of us live for tomorrow because we're afraid to live for today. Many of us live 10 years from now because we're afraid to do what God's calling us to right now in this moment. That coworker the Holy Spirit's been telling you to speak for for years, I think it's time you speak to that coworker. That family member that's been weighing on your heart so heavily, it's time you speak to that family member. Do you understand every time you tell the Holy Spirit no, you quench him more and more and more? Francis Chan says it this way. He says, we in the church have quenched the Holy Spirit into silence. You're wondering why you don't know what to do? Well, think back to the 30 other times the Holy Spirit told you what to do and you said no. Do you understand the Holy Spirit doesn't owe you anything? Do you understand you don't control the Holy Spirit? Did you know you can grieve him? Do you know what it means to grieve? It means to make someone so deeply saddened that they shut themselves away. How many of you have been through grief in the last season? How many of you know what it's like to shut yourself away through grief? That's exactly what we do through the Holy Spirit when we refuse to listen to him. And many of us, calling ourselves Christians, are living in despair, living completely stressed out. We have no peace. We have no love. We have no joy. We have no self-control. And we're wondering, oh, why don't I have these things? It's because we have quenched the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we quenched him in the church. Why? Because it's uncomfortable for a pastor not to have a sermon. It's uncomfortable for a pastor not to go towards the status quo of what we're used to. Did you know the way we do church, you'll never find it in this Bible. Never find it here. You won't see it. Our church today, the modern American church, looks more like the Roman Catholic church than it does the church of the Bible. Some of y'all look at me like I'm a priest. I'm dead serious. You think you can only confess to me. You think you can only. Can I tell you, every single one of you have the same access to the spirit of God that I have. I am a holy man. I am not the holy man. I'm not the Pope. I don't, I don't tell you have salvation or don't have salvation. That's none of my business. That's between you and God in fear and trembling. So stop looking to me like I'm your, your high priest. That's Jesus. You're not even following me. You're following Jesus. But the fact of the matter is in the church, we've made the pastor the holy man, and we only want to go to a church where we like the pastor. We like how he talks. We like how, oh, he's buff. Oh, he looks good. Oh, I like his outfit. Oh, he speaks well. Oh, he's got 10 degrees. Who cares? Leonard Ravenhill says this. He says, one day, a poor man with uneducated man is going to wake up, and says, or woman is going to wake up, read their Bible, and shame the rest of us. I went to Bible college. I got two degrees. Do you know what it did for me? It put me in a prison of religion. 
I was only able to see the Bible from one perspective. I was dogmatic. I was mean. I was angry. They didn't point me towards Jesus. They pointed me towards slavery and bondage. And I'm in a season of freedom. I'm telling you, there are no habitual sins in my life. I can, I can proudly and in praise say, thank you, God, I am free. He died for that purpose. What does scripture say? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? So what does that tell me? If you, if you truly, if you are truly walking in step with the spirit of God, what should you be? Free. If y'all knew what God had brought me through, if y'all knew what I used to, man, some of y'all would not come to church here if y'all knew what I used to be before Jesus. I'm being, I'm being dead serious with y'all because we want a little dignified, cutesy pastor who's been in church his whole life and never experienced nothing, they've never done nothing wrong. We want that guy. Why? Because we're just like the Israelites. You know, Samuel the prophet was leading the nation of Israel. And y'all, they, they were, God, they were thriving. The kingdom was thriving. And they say, hey, uh, Samuel, we want to be like those guys over there. Sam, what do you mean? We want a king. Samuel's like, no. He said, remember what kings do. He said, kings will take everything from you. They will make you slaves. They will make you fight for them. You do not want a king. Guess what they say? Yeah, we want a king. The modern church today looks more like a little kingdom worshiping the pastor, not Jesus. Majority of the people who go to Elevation Church, they don't love Elevation. They love Stephen Furtick. Majority of people who go to Life Church, they don't like Life Church. They like Craig Rochelle. Why? Because it's in us to follow someone. But the fact of the matter is, majority of Christians are not following Jesus, nor are they keeping in step with his Holy Spirit. This is why so many people, especially in my generation, hate church. Why? Because they were never truly shown Jesus. They were shown a church system. They, yo, they never saw Christians living in freedom. So why would they think they can live in freedom? Their, 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 their family and their pastor was doing the same thing everybody else was doing. And so when I started to look at my, look, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Whenever I started really looking at myself and thinking, okay, if the Spirit of God is in me, he should be producing what? What does he produce in us? Fruit. And so I started analyzing myself, and it says this. Ready? Verse 22. Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I started analyzing my life. You know what I didn't see a lot in my life? I didn't see any fruit. And I started thinking to myself, how am I out here preaching Jesus to unsaved people when the majority of my life looks the exact same as unchurched people? Why, as an unchurched person, why would I want to join another social club? Why would I want another membership? Essentially, why would I want another subscription? Because if you're just coming and sitting, just coming and sitting every single Sunday, this is a subscription. You pay your tithes, your monthly payment, and, and you watch. You take in. If the world were to see our everyday lives, would they really be attracted to Jesus? Or would they just be like, oh, I don't even know if this person believes in Jesus or not. This one writer said this. He said, a pastor's life throughout the week speaks way more than what he can say on a Sunday morning for an hour. So I could come up here, man, you would think it's the best sermon in the world, but who am I actually pointing to? At the end of the day, you and I are all believers in Christ Jesus, which means we all have the same access to the throne of God through mercy, to his spirit, through his son, in union with his son. I don't have any more access than you do. So stop relying on me to get revelation for you. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? You can open this book, pray, Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Open your Bible. Holy Spirit, lead me in this today. Can I tell you, when you take it upon yourself, your life is going to transform. And can I tell you, it's exhausting. It's exhausting, came to speak. It's exhausting pastoring over 100 people. When you think only you can come to me. Did you know a statistic came out from Stanford University that human beings aren't even supposed to have more than 100 people in contact with 100 people in their lives? But social media has turned us into lowercase gods where we just be worshipped by everybody. But the fact of the matter is it's exhausting to care for 100 people. Did you know that's why we're the body of Christ? It's not just me that can care for you. It's not just me that can pray for you. Did you know everyone sitting beside you has the same spirit I have? Do we understand this? Guess who can pray for you just as effectively as I can? The person beside you. Stop looking to me. I am a holy man. I am not the holy man. You are holy people of God. You are a royal priesthood chosen by God before the foundations of the world. And the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Do you not know? That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and you were bought with a price. You no longer belong to yourself. How many of us live like we rule ourselves? Me. Every day of my life, I make my own choices. I make my own decisions. Rare is it in the past that I ever went to the Holy Spirit in prayer before I made any type of decision. Oh, I'll, I'll just rely on my discernment. Okay, good. Rely on your discernment, but pray to the Holy Spirit. And so I'm in a season where I'm really just sick and tired of relying on myself. And the fact of the matter is the reason I'm not seeing this stuff in this book truly transparent in my life is because I haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to be my only hope in this life. I haven't had a desperate dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Just think about that, a desperate dependence. If you're desperate, you'll do anything. Think about that. If you're desperate to feed your children, what will you do? You'll do anything to feed your children. If you're desperate to save a loved one, what will you do? You will do anything. If a loved one has cancer, you will pay all your money in the world for the best specialist, everyone. You will try to save that family to the best of your abilities. It's time the church gets back to a point of desperate dependence upon the Holy Spirit. We've tried for too long to do it by ourselves, and that's why we sit here non-existent to our community. That's why there are people in the houses right across the street that have no idea what we do here. That's why you're living miserable lives. That's why you're stressed out. That's why you don't have a happy home life. Why? Because you're relying on your own power to fix something only the Spirit of God can. Do you understand that? The whole reason Jesus came was because you were not good enough. You were not strong enough. You could not save yourself. You could not fix your own marriage. He came to fix what was broken because you could not. If you can fix yourself, then there's no need for Jesus. How many of us live this way? Or we say this, okay, I believe in Jesus, and I understand the Holy Spirit a little bit, but I'll leave the Holy Spirit over here. I got Jesus. It's good. I got Jesus. Jesus said himself, it is better that I go so the Holy Spirit can come. When Jesus was in the form of a man, he could only be in one place at one time. So it doesn't, y'all, if Jesus walked the earth today, it wouldn't really matter. You couldn't get near him. Think about that. If Jesus was here today, read the Bible for yourselves and understand, crowds would try to get to Jesus. Guess what the majority of those people never got to? Jesus. He went away 
died on a cross for your sins, paid the price for your sins, paid the price for you to have the spirit of God. He went away for that purpose. And now we neglect the very purpose which he died for. And we as believers live the same as the rest of the world. Why? Because we have neglected the spirit of God and quenched him in our lives. And so after a thorough inspection, and listen, this is why throughout the week you can be panicking and rah, 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 and come in on Sunday and act like you're fine. Scripture says keep in step with the Spirit of God. If you just try to follow him on Sunday, guess where you're not going to find him throughout the week? Nowhere. You're not going to find him. Why? Because the Holy Spirit never stops moving. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Holy Spirit's like a mystery. Where the wind blows, you can't tell where it blows, but you can see its effects. The Holy Spirit is always going to and fro throughout the earth doing his work. But the fact of the matter is, some of you are so far behind, you haven't been able to find him in a long time. Why? Because you try to follow him on Sundays, try to follow him a little bit on Monday, and by Tuesday you're so stressed out you can't do anything anymore. So then the next four days roll by and you're back at Sunday and you're like, what do I do now? Some of you are real quiet because you know I'm being complete factual. And how do I know this? Because it was me. It was me. I learned how to play the church game real young, real fast. I know how to speak in front of church people. I actually know how to grow a church as well. I've been a part of a lot of bigger churches. I know how to play the church game, but quite, quite honestly, I'm just sick of it. And I feel like we have grieved the Holy Spirit so much. Y'all, I found myself crying on my knees the other day because the Holy Spirit just gave me a small glimpse of how grieved he's been. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is deeply saddened over your rebellion. Every time you tell him no, do you know it breaks his heart? Because every time he's leading you, he's leading you to something better. I can't tell you how many relationships he's restored in my life when I just listened. Do you know how many non-Christian friends I have because I never pushed my faith on them? And I've seen a lot of them come to faith in Jesus because I loved them when they felt unlovable. Why? Because I'm not a part of a religion. I'm in union with Jesus. And in this season, he's teaching me how to follow his Holy Spirit deeper, higher, all around. Everywhere I go, he's teaching me to follow his Spirit. And so I want to encourage you, some of you, there's two things that's holding you back. Either the volume is too loud in your life. You have too much going on. You're too distracted. You got too much social media. You got, can I tell you one of the greatest things the enemy ever did, like one of his greatest victories was when he really pushed media into the United States of America. Because now a majority of Christians worship their cell phones more than they do God. Do you know what worship is? Worship is how much worth you attribute to something. If you spend about mm, 15, 20 hours on your cell phone during the week, but one hour with God during the week, hmm, who do you worship? So the fact of the matter is we have to decide how, what type of desire do we have in us? Is it a costly desire? Are we willing to give up things to follow? But the fact of the matter is some of you need to quiet your lies. You have relied on numbing sensations, such as the fact of let's turn on this TV show so I don't have to think about what I'm going through. Let's turn on this movie so we don't actually got to talk about what just happened here. And so what we do is we rely on numbing sensations instead of the Holy Spirit of God inside of our lives. Or number two is this, you're too comfortable in your life. You need to come with me downtown on Wednesday mornings like Kenneth does. Kenneth comes with me pretty much every single Wednesday morning to the homeless. Some of you are too comfortable. You sat in church chairs too long. You need to get back into the community. And so one of the reasons we can't follow the Holy Spirit is, one, we can't hear his voice because our life is too loud. Or two, we're too comfortable in our chairs to get up and walk. I know this is a hard truth, but it's the truth. And these are things I've had to come to in my own life because the fact of the matter is, if you were content just sitting in a Sunday morning and doing nothing, this may not be the church for you. But if you want to seek the Holy Spirit deeper, higher, all around, 
every day of your life, this is the church for you because our main focus in the months coming is going to be the Holy Spirit. But the fact of the matter is it's not going to be a lot of nice put-together sermons because, listen, the fact of the matter is the majority of you have heard a thousand sermons on the Holy Spirit. How much did it change your life to have it here? Nothing. majority of you could probably preach about the Holy Spirit better than I can, but what has it done for you? What did that teaching do for you when you were walking when a spouse died? When a loved one died? What did those teachings do? They didn't do anything. Why? Because I don't care about this anymore. I could care less. I'm caring about here. I want to see, I don't care about your behaviors changing. I want to see transformation. Because the fact of the matter, if you change your behavior, you can change back to the previous behavior. I want to see transformed lives in this house like my life has been transformed. That, that is what I long to see. And the fact of the matter is Romans 8 says this. It says that those who keep in step with the spirit keep away from sin. You know why so many Christians still live in sin? Because we don't keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit will never lead you to places of sin? You know that's what holiness is? Holiness is a separation from the world. We're in the world but not of the world. We are here for a purpose and for a season. But the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit was given to you to keep you away from these things. And so a clear sign for me is if a believer is living in sin, they're not keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the fact of the matter is when you try to change your behaviors, whose power are you doing that through? You can respond, whose power are you doing that through when you change your behavior? When you go on a diet, whose power do you do that through? When you get a new job, whose power are you doing that through? You're doing it through your own power. The fact of the matter is you cannot transform yourself. You can change everything on the outside to make everyone think you have it together, but if you're dying on the inside, what good are you doing for yourself? I'm trying to help some of you because I see through it, through the spirit of discernment, I see your grieving, hurting heart because you're stuck in a place you keep trying to free yourself from. I need to tell you, you cannot free yourself. Coming from someone who lived in a cycle of sin, pornography, sex, drugs, alcohol, I lived in a cycle. Even when I was a Christian for the first three years, from 18 to 21, I was stuck in a cycle. Why? Because I accepted Jesus and I was like, all right, Jesus, I can do it myself. Because the fact of the matter is, majority of us believe that believing in Jesus is just a get-out-of-hell-free card. We want, we want him as a backup plan for the afterlife, but we don't want to submit to him now. That's not radical Christianity. That's biblical Christianity. When did you ever in this book see one of the apostles or disciples of Jesus start following Jesus and then say, okay, okay, gee, we'll do this now, but may, maybe later we'll do that? No, these men were so dependent on the Spirit of God that when he spoke, what did they do? They did exactly what he said. And guess what's crazy, Christians? They knew what lane to stay in, too. This is going to mess with some of y'all. They knew what lane to stay in. Peter and John said, it's not good for us to wake tables. We need to, we need to commit ourselves to prayer and preaching. A lot of Christians like to get it on the people's business when they're not supposed to be there. A lot of us like to try to put ourselves in positions in the church we don't belong in. We need to learn to stay in our lanes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit teaches us to do that. The reason we overstep lanes is because we're insecure in who we are. We've not allowed the Holy Spirit to validate who we are. If your identity is found in a position, you are in the wrong place. Your identity is found as a son of God, a daughter of God with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And the fact of the matter is I'm learning how to not boast in anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's why stepping away from sermon prepping is a good thing for me in this season. Because I thought my sermons were pretty good. I thought they were getting pretty good. But do you see what I'm saying? I started, get, I started getting big in my head. Yeah, that sermon, I'll fire. that sermon was fire. That was fantastic. But the fact of the matter is Paul says, I count all things as garbage. 
I boast in nothing but Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Can I be honest? Some of you in here try to push for positions sometimes, and you tell me, oh, I've done this in the past, I've done that in the past. I could care less what you did in the past. Are you called to do it? I'm, I know it's going to hurt some people's feelings. Are you called to do it? Not what is your past experience, what positions have you served in, is the Holy Spirit of God calling you to do it? Because I'm sick and tired of playing these church games where we're not following the Spirit of God. We're following man-made methods, man-made powers, and we're just following men, 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 men. I'm sick and tired of following men. Following men is why we are where we are today in the church. Did you know 93% more churches close than they open? Did you know across the United States, 2,000 churches close every single Sunday? So you're telling me doing things we've always done it is the right way to do it. You're really telling me you want to go to these megachurches that don't preach the gospel, they don't preach freedom. No, guys, it is time we take a stand as believers and become fully dependent and desperate upon the Holy Spirit. I mean, how long can we live this way? This is me ranting right now. How long can we live this way? Are you okay struggling? Y'all, some days I think to me, why am I struggling with this anger? Why? Because I didn't seek the Holy Spirit. I didn't allow the Holy Spirit to give me joy and peace in that situation. I try to do it by my own power, by my own might. And we get so stuck on theology. Oh, just pray in tongues. It'll solve everything. No, it won't. Just jump a little higher, run a little faster, read your Bible more. No, because what? That's in your power to do it. Some of y'all looking at me like, this man's crazy. He's just ranting up here. No, because the Holy Spirit is transforming something in me like he's never done before. And I have a holy discontent with what I'm experiencing. And I'm not even saying I just want to see signs and wonders. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I want to see every single person in this room walking in the fruit of the Spirit like you never have before. I want to see a joy in some of you who I can tell you're miserable. I want to see a joy in you like never before. Those of you who seem to be stressed out all the time, I want to see a peace like you never before. Those of you who walk around angry, I want to see a love inside of you like never before. Those of you who can't control your passions, I want to see a self-control inside of you like I've never seen before. I'm talking about truly supernatural Holy Spirit inside of you transforming your life. Why do we think the only thing the Holy Spirit does is radically heal people? Do you understand? It starts here. It starts here in your heart, and he starts to transform our lives. Y'all probably, this man is just, he's just talking, talking, talking. No, because I'm telling you, this revelation is changing my entire life. Can I tell you, I truly believe, like, out in the community, I think the past three weeks I've impacted more people in our community just around by just following the Holy Spirit than I did in the whole first year prior to ministry. Why? Because my whole first year of ministry was pretty much in this building. But listen, it's keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. You will find yourself, y'all hear this all the time by pastors, you will find yourself in places you never imagined, talking to people you never imagined you would be talking to, building relationships with people you never thought you would have friendships with, walking in careers you never thought you would have. Why? And this is a crazy thing. In America, we're taught your career is who you are. No, did you know you belong to the church before you belong to your career? Some of you are like, oh, I need the higher paying job. What if you don't, what if you need to take a pay decrease to come serve at the church more? Y'all think that's crazy, but did you know in Acts chapter 2, some people sold everything that they had. And they literally helped support those who had nothing. So the fact of the matter is we want to act like, oh, that's crazy. I can never do that. But I know for a fact, some of you, the Holy Spirit's been telling you to sell stuff for a long time, but you just don't want to because you're afraid. But can I tell you, the spirit of fear does not live in you anymore. That's your flesh trying to trick you to who you used to be. And so when we read of these things in the Bible and we think, oh, that's crazy. There's no reason we can't be living them now. One of my favorite writers, his name is Francis Chan. A lot of you probably heard of him. And I love his writing because you can see a progression in his life 
where the Holy Spirit was leading him. And so he wrote um, Crazy Love, this book about the love of God. And then he wrote this book, Forgotten God, about the Holy Spirit. And you can just see how this, in, in, in his book, Forgotten God, he says, I wouldn't be surprised if the Holy Spirit called me to sell everything and move overseas. And you know what he did a couple years later? He sold every, y'all, he had a mega church of 5,000 people in California. And you can see through the progression of the Holy Spirit working in his life, giving him revelation of what it means. Y'all, all his writing was about, he couldn't verbalize it because he grew up in the Baptist church. He grew up not believing in anything of the leading of the Spirit of God. And you can see in his writings how the Spirit of God was working in his heart, saying things like, I could see myself moving overseas. And two years after he wrote that book, he found himself in Asia with six kids, sold everything, left it all behind, gave all of, all of his book proceeds to charities, and he just left. And now this man came back to the States two years ago. He wrote a book, the most influential book in my life today, Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. And he wrote this book, and now he has a stream of house churches all around California, raising up not dignified pastors, raising up business people to lead these house churches, raising up normal people. Why? Because it's not a degree that puts you where, where you are. In the kingdom of God, it's calling and so my longing for this church, oh, I think it would be beautiful if one day we ended up as a stream of house churches. I think those visions of the church are beautiful. Because the fact of the matter is, I believe in this season, and you may be on board, you may not, the Holy Spirit is leading us in a place that's very uncomfortable. It's not going to be put together beautiful sermons with three points. I, y'all know y'all love my three-point sermons, too. I can tell y'all get excited. All you school people, y'all get excited when you see my three-point sermons. Y'all like, oh, yes, I can take notes on this. But the fact of the matter is, I can give you ten pages of notes and never puncture your heart. And so a lot of us know how to take in information. We don't know how to live it out through our hearts. And so in this season, the Holy Spirit's taking us somewhere uncomfortable. I know this isn't traditional church. And I had a whole bunch of verses, but, you know, I don't think that's what the Holy Spirit wants for us. Because the fact of the matter is, in the church, we try to rationalize everything. Y'all, we try to explain the fact that the Spirit of God lives inside of us. You, you really think you can rationalize that? Y'all, we believe in a risen Savior who was dead for three days. And you're telling me we, we're just meant to fully comprehend everything intellectually? Y'all, I'm learning how to walk in the mystery. Paul writes so many times the mystery of God. Revealing the mystery of God, the mystery of the Holy Spirit. Why do we have to know everything all the time? I'm learning the beauty in just following. And some of you are still thinking like, oh, this man's crazy. But please, let me encourage you. Quiet your life. Make yourself uncomfortable and see where the Holy Spirit takes you. But I'm telling you, when he tells you to do it, do it. Don't be like me. Don't, don't hit a U-turn in the middle of an intersection. Don't go in twice and then come back in. Don't be like me. Follow, listen, I promise you it's worth it. It may be uncomfortable in the minute, in the moment, but you don't know what seed you're planting. You don't know where God's going to take you after that or what relationship. I told Poojie, every time I come in the gas station, we're going to talk about Jesus. You know what she said? She said, okay, Josiah, we'll talk about Jesus. You don't know what type of seed you're planting or what doors it's going to open to who's open. That's why I'm saying, Holy Spirit, guide me to who you want me to share the gospel because the Holy Spirit is the one that draws them. It's not you. It's not, it's not how eloquent your words are. It's not how articulate your sermon is. No, it's the Holy Spirit of God that draws people and convicts people. My job is just to be a mouthpiece for the Holy Spirit. But in this season, I'm, I'm realizing there are a lot of inconsistencies from what I'm reading and how what I'm seeing in my everyday life, what I'm seeing in this church. And I really do believe some of you need to start coming with me on Wednesday mornings to the homeless, to help with the homeless. I'm actually one giving the Bible study this Wednesday. I would love for you to come. We leave at the church at 10 a.m. every single Wednesday morning. 
But I'm telling you, there's something that happens when we are so used to sitting because then our spirit man stays sitting and it never gets up walking. It's easy to sit. It's easy to believe here. It's so hard to believe here. Why? Because when you believe here, you know your heart will make you do crazy things. How many of us have done crazy things for love? Crazy things, crazy things to win our spouse over. Above and beyond the things that we actually needed to do and when our spouse was already, was already amazed by us and loved us, yet we went above and beyond just to win them over more and more. Y'all, that's what Jesus is calling from his bride in this season. We already have his affection. We already have Jesus' love. But what are we willing to do in response to that love? Is anyone else discontent? Does anyone else want to see more? Am I the only one? And no, I'm not just talking about healings and wonders. Y'all, we in the Pentecostal church, can I tell you, we are very guilty of the same thing that the, the Pharisees did. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for always asking for signs and wonders. Jesus, I believe, would rebuke the Pentecostal church if he was here today for always asking for only signs and wonders. Why? Because signs and wonders were for those who didn't believe so that they would believe. Signs and wonders actually are not for those who already believe. To me, when we're constantly asking for signs and wonders, it shows a lack of faith. I'm just being honest. Why? Because God always has to show something to us. For us to believe in God, God always has to do something. God, prove yourself again. God, prove yourself again. I'm not one to test God. He's God Almighty. He decides. He dictates. But in this season, I believe he's going to challenge a lot of you. I don't know what we're going to be preaching on next week. I don't even know what we're going to be doing next week. Be, I don't know. But in this season, I know he's about to challenge a lot of you to do something you've never done before. Can I encourage you to first read Letters to the Church by Francis Chan? If you have time, I believe all of us can find time. But then just read through the first couple chapters of the book of Acts and tell me, tell me you don't see something's wrong here. Tell me you don't see inconsistencies. But listen, pray to the Holy Spirit that he takes away your presuppositions of church. A lot of us come to church expecting something very, very specific. Why? Not because it's in the Bible, but because you were taught and trained up in such a way by your family to believe this is exactly what church is. We come, we sit, we listen to the holy man, and we leave. I can't, y'all, I can't do it anymore. We, there's there's got to be a change in this house because I'm telling you right now, if we keep doing what we're going to do, and we're going to be looking the same forever. Y'all, can I tell you, I'm sick and tired of seeing so many white people all the time. I'm sorry. Miss Dorothy, Miss Rhonda Gale, I'm serious. Y'all, please tell me, how does this look like heaven? How, how is this a picture of the kingdom of God? Last time I checked, all were welcome in the fold. All people, all colors, all ethnicities, all nationalities, all, all tongues were welcome in the house of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't tell me there are inconsistencies here. Do you know when, when uh, Peter preached the gospel in Acts chapter 2, it said 3,000 were added to their numbers? And guess where these people were from? All over the world. They spoke different languages. They were from different countries. They looked different skin-wise. And 3,000 of them, not because they were comfortable around the same race, not because they were comfortable around the same, the same age range. Why? Because the Spirit of God drew them there. I have a holy discontent in my heart. And I believe our method of church is not biblical. And I don't believe the way we do things are necessarily biblical. Because the fact of the matter is, do you, do you know why pastors retire so young? Do you know why pastors quit? Because it's not natural for 120 people to look to the pastor for all the answers. It's not natural. God gave us together as the body of Christ, each one's a ligament. Why? Because we complete each other in the church. 
But if I'm, y'all, I, listen, this is the crazy thing. We think the pastor is the one with all the gifts. I may just be a toe. You may be a whole hand. You may be a whole foot. And the fact of the matter is, if you're only looking to me, how can we ever function the way we were made to function? And so I don't know, in my spirit, I just felt the Holy Spirit telling us, we need to, we need to study the church. So that's, that's what we're going to do. I don't know how long that's going to be for. I don't know how long we as a church, but listen, can I challenge us together? When we read it and we see a difference, we change it. Can we commit to that today? I mean, in the spirit of God, can we commit? I want you to raise your hand if you're willing. If we read something that's different and we can't, I'm telling you, raise your hand. Let me know. If we see something in this church that does not relate to the Bible and we can't find any means for ground in this, we'll change it. Can we all be open to the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us as a church? Thank you. Because the fact of the matter is, if we don't align ourselves with the Holy Spirit, how can we ever go forward? And so I'm realizing in my life that there was a huge roadblock up of my effectiveness in the kingdom because I was not fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. It was about 50% Holy Spirit, 50% Josiah. And I really don't want that old man flesh coming back up. I can't do it anymore. It's got to be the Holy Spirit or no one. The season of change is coming. It's going to be uncomfortable for a little while. And like I said, I don't, I wouldn't be mad if you left because this isn't going to look like normal church like you've been doing for 20, 30 years. Something different is coming, but that's good. Because the fact of the matter, every time there was reform in the church throughout history, the people of God rose up like never before. The Spirit filled people like never before. And so I believe there's reform coming to this church. Or we're just going to, not, not my opinion, y'all. I'm sick and tired of hearing my own opinions. I don't even care about what I got to say. I don't even care. It's, it's, I don't care anymore. If it is not aligned here and we can't find any means for what we're doing, it doesn't make any sense here. I'm serious. I mean, a deep study of this Bible, if it doesn't make any sense, we change it. And we're expectant to see what God does. Listen, I, just, I want everyone to come up together. We're going to pray together as a family. And I just want to pray over us in this season. Brother Steve, you grab that. I just want to pray over us in this season of change because it's not going to be easy for some of us. Some of us are going to have to learn things and unlearn things. I just want to pray for us in this season. Oh, by the way, Chrissy, will you raise your hand? Chrissy's our, for our new uh, First Touch director. So everyone give it up for Chrissy. Now that is a Holy Spirit decision I did make through the Holy Spirit. So praise God for that. I'm going to pray for us as a church family. So I'm telling you, a season of change is coming, and it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. But the whole theme is I just want us to be utterly and desperately dependent on the Holy Spirit. That we would be a people, and y'all, I'm serious, because if I see inconsistencies, and you see inconsistencies in me, tell me. If you're like, hey, pastor, we just talked about this, and your life does not compare, tell me. And I'll do the same for you. Why? Because we're supposed to hold each other accountable to a standard. Do we understand that we're a family? Y'all, I'm getting so close with some of you, and I love it. Why? Because we're supposed to be a family. How can we function if we don't even know each other? So a lot of you have been in this church for a long time, and maybe not even talked to the person who sits across the church from you. God, we got to change that. I'm telling you, dude, in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47, y'all, these people didn't know each other. They didn't know each other from Adam. They sold everything they had, and they lived in a community together. These people didn't go to church together for 20 years. They didn't know each other. The Holy Spirit grabbed their hearts, and they said, you know, we're going we're gonna to listen. The Holy Spirit has shown us something so much greater, changed our entire lives, so we're going to follow. So I encourage you, get to know the person, literally, Raise your hands to heaven as we pray. Holy Spirit, this is your church. Not this building. This building has nothing to do with us. But your church, the people. 
Holy Spirit, we are your people. So Holy Spirit, I pray today is the start of something beautiful. It's the start of something none of us ever imagined. Like you're gonna take us places and do things in us that we never imagined possible. Not because our methods are amazing, not because our worship and praise is fantastic, not because the sermon is bomb, but because we are so obedient, so dependent. Father, I want us to be so dependent that we don't even make a decision on where we go out to eat unless you tell us there's someone there that needs to hear the gospel. I mean, crazy stuff, Father, where 3,000 are added to the body of Christ, not because of how great our worship was, but because we were so dependent on your spirit that when you said speak, we spoke. And the fact of the matter is Jesus says, never worry about what you're gonna say because I'll give you the words when you need them. So Holy Spirit, I just pray in this season, you start to shift our minds. Take away any presuppositions we have that are wrong. Take away any traditions that hold us back from you. Free us from the religious mindset. Free us from that. Let us walk in union and freedom with Jesus who loves us and died for us upon the cross. So, Father, in this season, give us the boldness to do what you're calling us to do. Give us the resolve that when we read it in the book, we'll change it. Because it doesn't matter what our personal preferences are. It only matters what the Spirit of God says. So, Holy Spirit, break off our insecurities. First and foremost, break off our insecurities that hold us back. Lord God, remove the past out of our minds, the past scars, the past hurts that hold us back from your Spirit. Lord God, there are people in this room who have been in this church for a long time but have never just truly felt your, your spirit. So Holy Father God, I just pray in this season as we determine in our spirits to follow you, to keep in step with the spirit of God, you just let us have new experiences where we just feel your joy and love like never before and the fruits just shoot up inside of us where we're such a beautiful vineyard in our soul that things that used to be weeds are now grapevines and they're just beautiful growing out of us and people in our workplaces are saying, what happened to you? You're so different. You're so full of love and joy and peace and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Who are you? And all you can say is this, the Holy Spirit of God inside of me. So Holy Father God, we just pray in this season that as you lead us into change, but it's gonna be beautiful change. It's gonna be stuff that stretches us and makes us uncomfortable, but in a couple months we'll look back and say, God, that was so beautiful what the Holy Spirit did in our lives. So Father God, I just pray you grow our bond together so much stronger as a church family that we truly understand we are the church, we are the people of God, and we are family where we come alongside one another, fill a need, see a need, fill a need, love one another deeply. So Father, in this season of turmoil in our nation where people are fighting against each other, I just pray we'd be so filled with love and joy, we would just, we would be blanketed out to the noise. That when people come at us, we can't help but love them. Father, in this season, I, I pray that we pray so much harder for those who oppose your kingdom. That we're not praying that they're destroyed or taken away, but we pray for them that they're going to be like Saul turned into Paul. That the people who were so against the kingdom of God are, tr are just crazy and radically transformed by the gospel to the point instead of persecuting the church, instead of hating the church, they love the church and do everything in their power to see the church grow and be fruitful and multiply. So Father, in this season, I pray that you prepare all of us for change. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it doesn't feel good, we stand knowing that the Spirit of God is leading us and that we know when we're uncomfortable, that's where we need to be. So, Father God, I pray that we turn down the volume in our lives and we go out of our way to be uncomfortable in some areas we need to be. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church family. Um, I'm expectant for this season. I'm expecting in my own life that we don't just see power on Sunday mornings, but Monday through Sunday, every single day of our lives, we walk in this. Thank you guys. Pastor Betty, you got food? Pastor Betty has food across the church.